Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is Josh Stolkraft coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we have the opportunity to reflect into the gospel for Sunday. And as I have had recently, from one Friday to the next, or if not every other Friday, I have Debbie Rizalis with me. So Debbie, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me, Joe. So here we are, Debbie on the heels of uh, these last three weeks where our Lord has been talking to the Pharisees. And so we're going to have an opportunity to talk more about just not the past three weeks, but certainly what we are going to hear from our Lord this Sunday. But before we get there, before we get to the reading, I wanted to first take up that topic of joy once again. It has been a, a great point of conversation for me, just not on air here, but outside the radio station. And so someone recently asked me, you know, Joe, how do I know uh, where my joy comes from? How do I know if it's from God or not? Fair question. Um, maybe if we're asking the question, we haven't drawn back enough, I think. But uh, let's think about this. Let's first establish uh, one of the, the key principles that we talked about over these last few months as it relates to joy. A point that Pope Benedict XVI makes is that joy is the first proclamation of the New Testament. He highlights this, Debbie, within his infancy narrative where he's talking about the Annunciation. And within that, he makes note that the word grace and the word joy have the same Greek root. Okay, so we have the translations of that angelic salutation, rejoice, O highly favored one, and hail, full of grace. So rejoice and grace, right? He says it's the first proclamation of the New Testament because the grace that God is giving to us in this new relationship with Jesus Christ, in this new dispensation of the new covenant, is joy. The first fruit of it is joy. So joy is always tied to grace, Debbie, anywhere and everywhere. So the question that I posed uh, to the young man who asked me the question is a question Debbie, that I pose to all of our listeners this evening. What brings you joy? And if you don't know that, you can ask this question. What do you look forward to during the day? Uh, What gets you excited? What makes your heart tick? What are you thinking about all the time? Is it a ball game? Is it a television program? Do you find uh, this, this sense of peace and happiness when you're watching Jeopardy? I don't know. (laughs) If you do, that's probably not a joy that belongs to God. Because what we are made to see out from Benedict's reflection is that joy is always a fruit of grace. Therefore, joy is always a God moment. We can ask this question. (laughs) Do you get excited about spending time with Jesus? Do you receive joy from being around people who are faithful in their journey? Do you receive joy when you spend time with those who you spend time with in your local churches and your local parishes. I think if we ask that question, the question of what brings us joy, what gets us excited, what are we thinking about, we will find the answer. It shouldn't take too long. 
I would agree with that. Um, it was a beautiful response to him, actually, and I'm interested to know how he responded because that's that's the crux of it. It really is, and, and I kind of gave him a homework assignment. Did you? I said, yeah, write down uh, three things that you find yourself looking forward to when you're not even really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe in the middle of your workday, yeah, okay, I can appreciate just looking forward to kicking up your feet and relaxing. I get that. But yeah, I mean, ask yourself the question, are you thinking about the ball game you mm-hmm. know, tonight? Are you thinking about maybe getting together with your fellow Christians and reading scripture, mm-hmm. praying the rosary? Mm-hmm. Because if that's what you're thinking about, then I'm going to tell you, what you get excited about, the yeah. joy that you're experiencing probably belongs to God. So something to think about as we continue to talk about this towering spiritual fruit that is a joy. Uh, so very important. And it's no wonder why Pope Francis titled his great exhortation on evangelization, Debbie, the joy of the gospel, because he knows, he knows this dynamism Uh, of evangelization that is inherent in this great spiritual fruit of joy. So with that, we'll engage uh, the gospel for this Sunday and, you know, be mindful of what we've already talked about, because for all intents and purposes, I think we might come back to this topic Mm -hmm. um, before we finish off this evening, Deb. So this Sunday's gospel is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 21. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Amen. So as I noted off the top, Debbie, before we get into this narrative, I thought it would help us to look back into the last three weeks briefly. Okay, so three weeks ago, we were together, and we were talking about the parable of the two sons. As you noted, son one, son two, the parable of the say what you mean, mean what you say, you know, where we're focusing in on the importance of making sure that we are Uh, speaking to where our heart is. And that was really uh, the focus of that week. And then, you know, with the parable of the wicked tenants and and the parable of the marriage feast, again, what we have here is a parable and parables that speak to the right and wrong, truth and uh, untruth, life, death, and ultimately, Debbie, uh, what relationship is all about. Mm -hmm. One parable after another, Uh, What Jesus Christ is trying to show us is, in the end, it is about having a personal relationship with a God who is living and who desires to to be in intimate communion with us. And so, in those three parables, then, what we have is Jesus reaching out to these Pharisees uh, and saying, hey, look, 
I am not going to give up on you. Huh? I mean, I am going to be relentless in my pursuit for your heart. Note that how all of those three Gospels started. I tell you a parable. What do you think? The following week was, well, let me tell you another parable. The following week, yet again, another parable. He is consistent uh, in trying to get their attention. And so, clearly, with today's Gospel, what we have is the absence of receptivity. They did not absorb the words of Christ. They selectively heard what Christ had to say. You know, and I think we do this quite a bit, Debbie. We, mm-hmm. we hear what we want to hear yep. for the sake of our agenda, our opinion. And isn't it interesting, by I the just, way... I just wrote down agenda. <laughs> yes. Isn't it interesting? What did Christ ask three weeks ago? What do you think? What are the Pharisees asking here? Uh-huh. Right? I mean, the same question. Nah, Christ sees right through it. He sees right mm-hmm. through it. So, um, this juxtaposition, if you will, Debbie, that I think we need to think about this evening is hearing versus listening. Okay? And, and why? Because these two things are different realities. What do I mean? Let us think critically about what listening means and where it comes from. Remember, the word obedience means, coming from Latin, obadire, to listen. Obedience is about the response. So when we listen, we are doing so with intention. When we are hearing, ah, that's listening at arm's length. So what I wanted to highlight here and to really draw out is the distinction between being engaged and not engaged or Engage in a dialogue for the sake of being heard. I've made note of this in the past. Being one of 11 kids, it was very easy for me not to listen, only to hear from a distance. And if there was uh, lag time in the conversation, if you will, I would jump right in because, again, as one of 11 kids, my voice was never heard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it's human nature that we want our voices heard. And so over time, if I've (laughs) learned anything is that listening is an art. It is a skill. Uh, the, the art of listening is something that we all need to work on. To be able to engage someone based upon what they are saying. Not what we want to say before they even talk, but based upon what they are saying. These Pharisees did not listen to what Jesus was saying. They did not listen. They heard, but they only heard what they wanted to hear. And, of course, it was all a setup to incriminate our Lord. Uh, So, something to think about as we really get into this text, because in the end, we must remember that when you talk about listening and obedience, we're talking about faith. Remember what Paul teaches, that holiness and apostleship is about the obedience of faith, or better translated from the Greek, the obedience that springs from faith or the obedience that is faith. So important for Paul that he bookends his epistles to Rome, Romans 1.5 and Romans 16.26. And remember, he's simply translating the Old Testament vision of not faith, but faithfulness, because the Hebrew word for faith is emunah, which is better translated faithfulness. Faithfulness is the firm response. Faithfulness, Debbie, is not hearing, but listening, because any good conversation any good listen-response relationship needs to go beyond just the hearing, beyond what we think we know. What's um, 
interesting what came up to me is don't each of us as Christians each Sunday when we go to Mass have the same temptation with these Gospels? I mean, these Gospels are for us to have a, res- a response to. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and don't we have that temptation? And I am speaking to myself here to not just hear Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, mm-hmm. wah, wah, mm-hmm. wah, wah. Yeah. I've heard this gospel before. Mm. Instead of, and I, 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 I heard this analogy once, that hearing has the word ear in the center of it, and that we can, sure, this part of our body can do its job and we hear it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing because listening requires our heart and relationship. Amen. And and that's exactly what you were saying. So on Sunday, when we're sitting in that pew and the readings unfold, are we having a response? Are they are they taking root? Or are we just sitting there waiting for the next thing to happen? Mm-hmm. That's the challenge for all of us. It's why the gospel, the readings are there, that we have a response and it changes us in our heart, yeah. not just up here in our head. Amen, Debbie. And, uh, you know, (laughs) there's something going on in the gospel here that's really striking because as we're talking about this, I mean, it does not take us long to see what the Pharisees are about when they Mm -hmm. finally respond collectively to what our Lord has been saying these last three weeks. Uh, Teacher. Mm -hmm. Teacher. Oh, that struck me. We know truth. We know what you're about. And then they go on to plan this insurrectionist movement, right? (laughs) Teacher in antiquity, uh, Debbie, implies the one who is listening is a disciple, one who is in the process of learning. Well, what makes a disciple? In antiquity, a disciple is one who is always learning at the master's feet. So then, again, the disposition of a disciple is one who has a humble heart. Mm -hmm. This is the polar opposite to what we are reading here. Three weeks ago, in that parable of the two sons, again, it was appearance versus reality, saying versus doing, the external life versus the internal life, and overemphasis on the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Completely missing, that is, son to what? That the spirit of the law illuminates the letter of the law. That reality illuminates our appearance. And what we do illuminates what we say. It's interesting, Debbie, when you read this text in light of the text from three weeks ago, they have placed judgment upon themselves with their reply. They essentially are exercising the second son, are they not? Mm -hmm. It's striking when you think about it because ultimately... They could care less. And if they did, it was only to plot. Now again, Debbie, we have to be careful to take this story and keep it 2,000 years in the past. Certainly, uh, we ought to personalize this story because I think we do get caught in that trap. But uh, to get to the heart of this, there's something much deeper going on here when these Pharisees say, teacher. Mm -hmm. Because what's Christ's response to all of this? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. <laughs> Do not put me to the test. How dare you put me to the test? And it's interesting there, Debbie, in the Greek, the only other time you see this in this gospel is in the temptation narrative. When Jesus, 
is saying the same thing to Satan. Mm -hmm. He is calling out what the Pharisees are about right now as a recapitulation or reincarnation of what happened, what, 18 chapters ago Mm -hmm. in the temptation narrative. He had the same words, do not test me. Do not test me. And he saw through them. He saw through them. I mean, I'm hearing Je- uh, Jeremiah, what is it? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart deceives because the heart is corrupt. And I see deception and corruption before me. I tell you what, we talked earlier about, you know, these parables being about truth and untruths. He is making his point clear. There is right from wrong. And how dare you? But what, what does he do? He's Raboni. He's master teacher. So he's going to ask questions. I mean, this is, this is a part of uh, how he goes uh, about his business. And so again, I, I think it's important for us, Debbie, as we're talking about this narrative, to challenge ourselves a little bit, insert ourselves into this narrative, maybe even as a Pharisee, and ask ourselves sure. the question, how are we like this? Mm-hmm. How do we plot? How do we manipulate? You know, the word, interestingly enough, in the Latin uh, for manipulation is to conform, like a Band-Aid might conform to skin. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to manipulate situations to conform them to, again, our agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we use the word agenda. It's worth noting maybe as a footnote <laughs> that in, I think it is, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 to 3, Paul is writing against Rome, and he says, he's talking about the world. The Greek word for world, and world is used as the opposite to truth, Christ. The Greek word for world is schema, right? The world has a scheme. Mm -hmm. It has an agenda to scheme against Mm -hmm. truth. They are, that is the Pharisees, scheming against truth, exercising that great truth, if you want to call it that, uh, that belongs to Satan, that the best he can do is only plagiarize truth mm-hmm. or offer a counterfeit presentation of truth. Very important to think about because a lot of this goes on today mm-hmm. and in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to challenge ourselves because we're human. Mm-hmm. We have an inclination to sin. You know, where is our heart? I used the word earlier, Debbie, of intention. You know, is, is it our intention to listen to what someone is saying or are we so caught up in our own business that we don't listen. What is our intention? Why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. Motus operandi. What operates your motives? I was just going to say, what, what is your motive? Mm-hmm. I, that has been the best examination of conscience. Examining the motive. Get to the root of things. You know, I do this. Why? What, was your, what do you get out of that? Because mm-hmm. we all get something out or we wouldn't be doing it. So what's the motive? And, mm. and this is just perfect for this reading. You know, you, you said something about how, isn't this interesting that the, the uh, Pharisees and the Herodians are, are palling up together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. kind of do this little united front. Come mm-hmm. on, let's go get him. Mm-hmm. Let's entrap yeah. him in his speech, yeah. which I thought was a very interesting little line there. Yeah. We're yeah. going to entrap him in his speech. And uh, so what's the motive? What is the motive behind what we do? 
and and your your um, little synopsis of grace and joy. What's the outcome of that? Mm-hmm. Is there joy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was your motive based in in joy, in truth, in grace, in grace? Was your grace, motive? Yep. And was the outcome joy, mm-hmm. or was it shame, or was mm-hmm. it? You can get a, a long way in your examination of conscience by looking at motive. Yeah, yeah. Power, uh, supremacy, it has a tendency to dominate us. Mm-hmm. It has a tendency to dominate us. And uh, again, this is the adversary. Because even the word Lord, again, the language, Lord, Kyrios, uh, to dominate, that we might be dominated by the goodness and the grace of God. So even dominate in its origin belongs to God. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just fascinating. As you were talking there, Debbie, I couldn't help but but think of a question. Can we give a confession of faith and use it as an instrument to oppose the object of faith? And of course, in this case, the mm-hmm. person of faith. Well, this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. That's illogical. They right. give this wonderful confession of faith. Mm-hmm. Teacher, we, we know what you say is true, right? And then they use that to oppose the very essence of faith. And again, how often do we manipulate truths of the faith for our own advantage? Mm -hmm. You know, I often get the question, and sometimes from our listeners from this radio program, about 666, Mm. the beast. Mm -hmm. Now, let us root the question of where does the 666 come from in Scripture, okay? Mm -hmm. Where do you see it? Well, you see it certainly in, in the narrative of a Solomon, with Solomon, but also in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And the, when the book of Revelation talks about the sign of 666, it has us go back to where we see it in the life of Solomon. And what we quickly discover is the sign of the beast, insofar as it is tied to 666, is when Solomon takes the wisdom that rightfully belongs to God and he usurps it for his own advantage. That's the sign of the beast. So then, what does that mean? What are the Pharisees doing? Mm-hmm. They're taking truth and taking it and using it for their own advantage. We have to be very careful about how we use truth because it's a dangerous thing. By way of close, Debbie, I wanted to briefly take up this language of render unto God what belongs to God. Mm-hmm. You know, this play on words with image. We know that in the Genesis account, we are created in the image and likeness of God. So image, and especially in this narrative, points to our identity in God. What is Jesus doing here? What does he want want us to see? And note, he phrased it as a question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He phrased it as a question so as to get the Pharisees to take ownership of what he is asking and what he is saying. He is, if not implicit, offering us an explicit challenge within the question. Do you find your identity in the images of man, or do you find your identity in the image of God? So often today, Debbie, many people, young and old, find their identity in what they do, and not, first and foremost, in who they are. And they miss the opportunity to begin to appreciate and understand the larger vocation of every Christian and Catholic to gradually grow into his image, 
based upon who we are, that what we do then is ultimately seen for what it is, God's doing, not man's doing. This is about seeing, Debbie. If we are going to see the stuff of God, then we need to see beyond the material. In this case, a coin. Mm -hmm. Give to Caesar what rightfully belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. And by the way, that's you. Mm -hmm. You belong to God. You don't belong to Caesar. You belong to God. And I say it's about seeing because if we don't see beyond that, then we're never going to be able to detect the words of our Lord. Right. We're talking about truth. The Hebrew word for truth is emeth. It is also the word that we get uh, for purity. What's the beatitude? Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see truth. Are the Pharisees pure? (laughs) Paul says, no. The language he uses is they're dirty. They miss the mark, which again translates what sin is. To sin is to miss the mark, but sin is also to dirty something. They are not pure. Therefore, they do not see truth. They are unable to see beyond the coin because they are unable to see, Debbie, beyond the letter of the law. Things like power, prestige, and pleasure have them preoccupied. Important things to think about, Debbie. This uh, gospel certainly offers a lot for us to think about. I don't know if you have any closing words. I was just going to say that um, in relation to the seeing, and it's our challenge in in, um, purifying our heart through our examination of conscience and staying pure with the sacrament of confession, that we are by any chance able to see the image of God in others, Mm -hmm. which which is the challenge. That's the walk of the Christian life. And so... That image, do we see the image of God in our brothers and sisters? Amen. We come to know Christ so as to make him known. We are in God so as to see God in other. Amen. Let us close in word of prayer, Debbie, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.